and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden at Witts University in Johannesburg. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. And a good afternoon to Lucy Corkin, who's been with us all week, uh, also in Johannesburg. Lucy, uh, if you haven't been following our show all this week, she's uh, with the Africa Asia Center at the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London. She's also a prolific writer, uh, books, academic journals, really focusing a lot on the uh, Chinese foreign policy relationship and Chinese investment patterns, particularly in the Lusophone uh, world in Africa. Welcome back to the show, Lucy. Thank you so much. And today we're going to talk about uh, the BRICS: uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. They are a very loose group, but in some ways, this past year was especially in light of the summit that occurred in. Uh, remind me, my South African friends, where it was at Durban, where the summit was. I think it was Durban. It yeah. was Durban. Okay, uh, but yeah. it really gained a lot more prominence, and there was this talk of a BRICS bank, and the idea of the BRICS bank was to somehow rival some of the other. Development banks from the traditional lending agencies, such as the IMF, the World Bank, and it's one of the things that Copus has talked about on a number of occasions is the the increased presence of South South relationships and South South lending and, and cutting out the West in many respects. Uh, we're thrilled to have Lucy here because Lucy's background in the Portuguese-speaking uh, countries of Africa and in particular understanding a little bit more about the Brazilian angle and the politics there. So, you know, Lucy, let me just start off. This idea of the BRIC, some people called it a fantasy in part because one of the things we've seen is in the past, let's say, 12 to 16 months – is dramatic slowdowns in all of the BRICS economies, including China's, to make it so that they are not the powerhouses of global economic growth. Right now, the engine of economic growth is Germany and is the U.S. So I'm wondering, is this all hype, or is there any substance to the idea that the BRICS could actually emerge to become a force uh, in Africa? I think that it, it, it might take longer than the optimists think it will. But I, I think that all the countries um, in the BRICS grouping, what they have in common is they have they have the understanding, and this is particularly relevant in, in the South African case, that their increased growth is more and more going to be linked to other emerging economies. It's going to be linked to other countries like the African, the African grouping, like um, the other countries of which the, the in the regions of which they are, are the hegemons, and I think that this is this is their way of creating an alternative sphere of influence and to kind of capitalizing on this kind of multipolar tendency that seemed to happen just before the financial crisis, whereby there were increasingly more uh, sort of financial financial sort of aspirants in, in various parts of the world that was starting to that was starting to emerge and was starting to actually become quite important so that we don't just have to look at Europe and we don't just have to look at at America to see where the dynamism um, in the global economy is happening and even though um, this seems to, this has slowed down Brazil has got a huge number of problems South Africa's not looking great China everyone's worried about. Um, the fact that they're not growing as fast as they have been, um, there is still this need for them to continue expanding their influence politically and economically. And it still makes sense for them to create the kind of architecture that they're talking about with this BRICS bank. So, um, Lucine, in, 
when when we talk about this uh, BRICS bank, um, what are the what are they actually talking about? Like what what um, I, I've seen it, you know, I've seen people calling it a development bank. So um, would it be competing with other development funding agencies around the world? Um, you know, kind of what 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 form do you think this bank will take? I think that so in terms of the official rhetoric, the, the BRICS grouping has been very clear that this bank is not meant to compete with the World Bank, to compete with the IMF. And to be quite honest, if you look at the, the funding requirements that, that, that Africa as a continent require as a whole, it's something like at the barest minimum, $95 billion per year for the next five years. I don't think that we can have too many international development financial development institutions because their mandate and the kinds of projects that they finance are very, very different to the, the kinds of projects that commercial banks are interested in. So I don't think there's, there's a problem with competing. I think that the, the, the issue with the BRICS is more that they would perhaps like to create a bank in which they have more say because as such, in, within the World Bank and within the IMF, one of their big bugbears is the fact that these institutions have not been reformed to reflect um, more current global realities. And they want to create a kind of architecture where they feel that they have more to contribute and more to control. I guess I have to come down on the side of the cynics here because, you know, each of the BRIC countries has very distinct agendas in Africa. Uh, and, and those agendas don't always kind of coincide with one another. Moreover, I think the best reason for concern, and this was expressed, I, I, I think it was by Jacob Zuma, but I might be by somebody else, which was that the largest contributor to this bank would be the Chinese, by far. Uh, the Indians uh, are not in a position to contribute a lot. South Africa certainly isn't in a, in a position to contribute a lot. Uh, Brazil, up until recently, you know, they've got their hands full with the World Cup and, and the Olympics and certainly the social programs now that they have to fund. So there isn't going to be a lot of, con- of money. Only maybe Russia would put in a lot, but I don't think it's even Russia's big priority to be in Africa. So if there was a bank, it would be very much you know, funded by the Chinese. So I think there would be a lot of suspicion within the, the BRICS entity itself as to whether or not they were all equal voices when China's funding 60 to 70 percent. Look, I think, I think that's a valid concern. Um, I'm not actually sure what what the, the financial arrangements are, I think that those are actually still under discussion for the very reasons that you've set out. Because on the one hand, you want equality, but on the other hand, we have to be realists here. And the, the, there, is, there is no economic or financial equality within the BRICS if you look at the absolute numbers. And I think that that is one of the things that, that is going to be one of the, the largest sticking points and one of the hardest parts to resolve. But the one, I mean... If you want to look at it in a, in, a, in a slightly different perspective, one of the things that China is incredibly sensitive about, and it's, it's this, this kind of criticism is, has been directed to other members of the BRICS grouping, but China is, is the one bearing most of the brunt of it, is this, this threat of neocolonialism or this threat of unilateralism. And I think the BRICS bank... Um, might be a way that China can start to show that it has, it's much more open to multilateral engagement with other countries. And in a sense, it will not be seen to be moving unilaterally uh, in the way that um, a lot of accusations have been leveled against the, the China Development Bank and, and the China Exim Bank. So in a, in a sense, this, this might be part of a much longer term 
uh, political movement or political play that that the Chinese government is interested is interested in making. That's that's a possible take on it. It would of course be a very soft sell long term long term play. But as we all know. Um, Chinese government is very happy to 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 take things um, with a long term perspective. Yeah, Cobus, let me put it to you now, and and really kind of address my my cynicism and get your take on it. You brought up the point of whether the world actually needs another development bank, and I wonder, you know, if you know in Africa, God, how many do we have between the the AFDB, between the IMF, between the World Bank? Now you've got the big NGO funds, which is you know the Gates Foundation rivals that of most uh, country country funds, you know, the list goes on and on. Is there, are there a shortage of, you know, is, are there a shortage of the development banks and development funds, or is this really a problem in search of a solution, which it seems to me that it is? Well, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to say. It's, it's, I'm very much not really in that field, but what i'm what i'm concerned about is just is the is mounting debt you know that, that there's been concerns raised um particularly in the case of uganda i remember reading that you know kind of that that debt levels might be dangerous you know particularly in the future and um I'd actually like to ask Lucy, like, you know, kind of how, how valid is that concern that, you know, that adding more funding agencies but also ends up adding more debt? Um, and, and, you know, kind of whether raising or rising kind of debt levels might, what kind of impact that might have on Africa in the, in the coming century? Look, it's a, it's a tough one. I think that, that debt, debt is, is an ongoing problem for a lot of, for a lot of, of countries, particularly, particularly in Africa. But I think increasingly, um, you have to look at the kind of debt that it is and the conditions under which it's extended because countries, sovereigns will always have debt. Um, it's, it's a function of being government and the way, the way that certain, um, long-term projects have to be funded and the way that these, that the, these governments have to manage their assets and to grow their assets. And without, without having debt, um, there is absolutely no way that these governments can fulfill their obligations to their citizens. The, the biggest concern is how this debt has been undertaken. We've, we've recently sle- seen in the last couple of years an absolute slew of, um, of, of African countries taking out euro bonds, which is a fabulous idea on, on the surface of it, because if you look at the interest rates that these countries will be paying on this debt, it's absolutely negligible in comparison to the kind of interest rates that they will be paying um, at a domestic level. But then, you know, you always have this problem is that what happens if the if the, the, the domestic currency goes into free fall, then what was an, a fantastic idea to get a very a very low interest rate is suddenly going to turn into an absolute disaster because you know your your currency has just um, has just depreciated thirty percent. Had South Africa recently taken out a euro bond, that that would be a case in point because um, the the rand has in the last year actually depreciated thirty percent against the U.S. dollar, which is um, what most of these. Um, what most of these euro bonds are denominated in. Now, if you look, if you look at the development finance route, again, these are different sets of projects. They are different sets of of concessionalities, um, and they have they have different interest rates. So, I think it's it, you have to be very careful about saying that a country is too much indebted. It does depend very much on the kind of debt and what that debt is being used for. Because if it's being used to sort of fund a current account deficit or to be a short gap problem to try and get them, you know, 
from one month to the next, as it were, then that's a huge problem. If it's being used to fund long-term infrastructure that is actually going to that is actually going to a pay its way back, or b um, increase the the viability of the business environment in that country that will in turn uh, you know increase a domestic and foreign investment, then that's another case altogether. Yeah, that sounds great, but at the, at the end of the day, I think we're talking about some old boogeymans that in Africa, you know, the World Bank, you know, laid out huge amounts of debt on these countries for a long time for, in, you know, huge, large dams and other infrastructure projects that everybody said was needed at the time. Now, we know that Africa's infrastructure needs financing of $100 billion a year for the next 10 years at least. Uh, but I think people are justifiably concerned as to what Kobus's point is, that they're going to be piling massive amounts of debt that they simply won't be able to get out of, especially if commodity prices continue to fall. And there's every indication right now that oil prices are not going to rise so long as the United States now is consuming less African oil and at the same time producing a lot more of its own. So I'd say there's a, a couple reasons to worry in the future uh, taking on this amount of debt. Uh, what's your take on that? No, absolutely. Um, I think it's a valid concern. One of the biggest problems um, of a lot of African countries is the fact that they are still so linked to commodities. So the commodity super cycle was fabulous for a select couple um, and horrific for others who were net importers. So, you know, you always have winners and losers um, depending on, on where you sit. Um, in terms of the of, of the commodities, you know, of the commodities boom boom and bust cycle, um, I think I think the the issue as well though is is that um, with the BRICS bank, from my understanding, um, there was a there was a kind of there was a political play from South Africa because South Africa has taken it upon itself to represent Africa um, in within the BRICS grouping, and I think that there's a political play for for. For South Africa to try and encourage a lot of the spending um, into uh, into into African countries in order to increase the amount of investment that that South Africa, for one, but then also the other BRICS countries, uh, you know, will be able to um, will be able to to actually sort of um, in, enter into um, into into the the, the other. Sorry, I'm completely losing my train of thought. No worries, no worries, no worries. Go ahead, go. You know, you obviously were holding you for a long time because I heard the 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 Outlook uh, appointment reminder. So, Kobus, one last question to you before we have to let uh, poor Lucy go. Uh, Lucy, just one final question. Um, you mentioned in, in, a, in a paper that a, sh- a brief paper that I that I read, um, you wrote that that one thing that South Africa, you know, the, that South Africa might have something to contribute in terms of banking practice. Um, and I think South Africans are so used to to the idea that we don't hundred percent fit into BRICS. And of course, that's the point that Jim O'Neill has made a lot. Um, I wonder if you could expand a little bit on that. On what can South Africa actually? contribute to to a, a potential BRICS bank to be honest with you there's there's this sort of this sort of awkwardness and this almost sort of embarrassed uh, tone to, to to South Africa's involvement um, in in the BRICS grouping and I think it's because that South Africa is trying to validate its presence there um, for the wrong reasons I think that this 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 need to represent Africa um, and again we this was the, the sort of political play that I was alluding to in my previously fudged answer was that um, South Africa actually needs to let that go because I don't. Th- there are very few African countries that would see South Africa as a representative of Africa, and in fact, there are a couple of other countries that would argue that they are much better representatives. Kenya, Nigeria, Ethiopia spring to mind. Um, and what South Africa is really good at is financial market regulation, um, 
in terms of its financial accountancy, its, its financial accountancy uh, programs and its financial accountancy aptitudes, uh, stock exchanges, and developing developing stock exchange derivative markets. Um, we have shown incredible success in developing that market within South Africa. We have um, been very successful in terms of the, the, the quality and the standard at which these markets are regulated. And let's be honest, this is something that within Brazil, within India, within Russia, that this is something that South Africa is perhaps an expert at and does actually have something contrib- to contribute to, um, to, to the good uh, to, to the good of the collective whole. And although we do have um, some stock exchange-linked products, um, all the stock exchanges are now linked um, with this smart application by uh, which sort of you can you can intertrade within the different stock exchanges. It seems to be quite complicated, and I don't fully understand how it works. But there is the beginning of the kind of, of an integration within the BRICS stock exchanges, and I think that if South African, if the South African side of the BRICS grouping were to actually take this kind of thing forward and to try and develop financial markets not only within the BRICS grouping but further into um, into Africa, I think this is really something that. Um, that the Africa, that the South African side t- could contribute and could actually provide a tangible benefit not only to the partners, some of whom might be skeptical as to why South Africa is even a part of the grouping, but also to to the African countries that South Africa is trying um, to, to so winningly convince that they are actually a good partner for them. So, do you think that you know Africa needs another development bank uh, in the form of the BRICS, or is this, as some have alleged, a Trojan horse for China to exert more control in multilateral format? We'd love to hear what you think uh, facebook.com slash china africa project is the best place to share your comments we're going to be posting uh, quite a few of lucy's uh, articles and, and links to her books obviously she we could talk about this for a lot longer lucy but in, in all week you've seen we've been running out of time uh, at the end of every show if people want to follow what you're doing and what you're thinking uh, and what you're writing more importantly about what's the best way that they can stay in touch with you um, the best way is probably my Twitter handle, um, L-U-C-Y-C-O-R-K-I-N. Um, I post sort of what I'm doing, what I'm up to, what I'm writing, what I'm reading, what I'm what I'm moaning about, what I'm excited about. Uh, it's all there um, at Lucy Corkin. Nice. And Cobus, where's the best place they can find you? They can find me on our Facebook page and you'll see my name in brackets when I respond to people. And also I'm on Twitter at Stadnesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. Indeed, Kobus and I are updating our Facebook page uh, almost 18 hours a day. Uh, I'm over here in Asia. Kobus is, uh, is there in Johannesburg. Uh, and we're posting, you know, articles and comments and questions of different people. And we get into discussions, sometimes a little bit testy at times, uh, but uh, always we try to keep it clean. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Our community now is over 135,000 strong. So thank you to everybody who's been following us and participating in the discussion. Lucy, we hope you will join the discussion on Facebook as well. And uh, and if you'd like to, uh, to subscribe to this podcast, the best way to do it is on on iTunes, but you can also follow us on SoundCloud, on Facebook. Uh, I post it onto my Twitter page at eolander, that's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R, right over there on Twitter. So until next time, we'll be back with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>